I found out at the club that the other man was coming up sick, very sick, on an off chance of recovery. The fever and the heart valve had nearly killed him. She knew that too, and she knew what I had no interest in knowing when he was coming up. I suppose he wrote to tell her. They had not seen each other since a month before the wedding, and here comes the unpleasant part of the story. A late call kept me down at the Dovedale Hotel till dusk one evening. Mrs. Shridling had been flitting up and down the mall all the afternoon in the rain. Coming up along the cart road, a tonga, one of those light carriages drawn by two horses, passed me, and my pony, tired with standing so long, set off at a canter. Just by the road down to the tonga office, Mrs. Shridling, dripping from head to foot, was waiting for the tonga. I turned uphill as the tonga was no affair of mine, and just then she began to shriek. I went back at once and saw under the tonga office lamps Mrs. Shridling kneeling in the wet road by the back seat of the newly arrived tonga, screaming hideously. Then she fell face down in the dirt as I came up. Sitting in the back seat, very square and firm, with one hand on the awning stanchion and the wet pouring off his hat and moustache, was the other man, dead. The sixty-mile uphill jolt had been too much for his valves, I suppose. The Tonga driver said, This Saab died two stages out of Solon. Therefore I tied him with a rope, lest he should fall out by the way, and so came to Simla. Will the Saab give me bakshish? It, pointing to the other man, it should have given me one rupee. The other man sat with a grin on his face, as if he enjoyed the joke of his arrival, and Mrs. Shridling, in the mud, began to groan. There was no one except us four in the office, and it was raining heavily. The first thing was to take Mrs. Shridling home, and the second was to prevent her name from being mixed up with the affair. The Tonga driver received five rupees to find a rickshaw for Mrs. Shridling. He was to tell the carriage clerk, the Tonga Babu, afterwards of the other man, and the Babu was to make such arrangements as seemed best. Mrs. Shridling was carried into the shed out of the rain, and for three quarters of an hour we too waited for the rickshaw. The other man was left exactly as he had arrived. Mrs. Shridling would do everything but cry, which might have helped her. She tried to scream as soon as her senses came back, and then she began praying for the other man's soul. Had she not been as honest as the day, she would have prayed for her own soul too. I waited to hear her do this, but she did not. Then I tried to get some of the mud off her riding habit. Lastly, the rickshaw came, and I got her away partly by force. It was a terrible business from beginning to end. But most of all, when the rickshaw had to squeeze between the wall and the tonga, and she saw by the lamplight that thin yellow hand grasping the awning stanchion. She was taken home just as everyone was going to a dance at Viceregal Lodge, and the doctor found out that she had fallen from her horse, that I had picked her up at the back of Jacko, and really deserved great credit for the prompt manner in which I had secured medical aid. She did not die. Men of Schreiderling's stamp marry women who don't die easily. They live and grow ugly. 
She never told of her one meeting since her marriage with the other man, and when the chill and cough following the exposure of that evening allowed her abroad, she never, by word or sign, alluded to having met me by the Tonga office. Perhaps she never knew. She used to trot up and down the mall on that shocking bad saddle, looking as if she expected to meet someone round the corner every minute. Two years afterwards, she went home, and died, at Bournemouth, I think. Schreiderling, when he grew maudlin at mess, used to talk about my poor dear wife. He always set great store on speaking his mind. Did Schreiderling. Three and an extra. After marriage arrives a reaction, sometimes a big, sometimes